Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Okay, so welcome here to the Outer Spaces podcast, our first inaugural episode here. Wayne Drawn is joining me here from uh, sunny Chicago, and uh, we are uh, about to get this thing rolling. So yeah, so we're super excited to bring this to you. And, and Dwayne, what do you think about coming out and talking to the world about outdoor living? This is going to be really neat, Joshua. Like, like I said, like, you know, we talked about before we hit the record button. I mean, with it being outer space, we're really going to be able to talk about outdoor living and then what it takes as a human being to create those spaces and what those spaces, how they can change your, your business. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah, me too, man. It's so much. I know that, you know, for you guys listening in here, you may or may not know much about our background, but, you know, both Dwayne and I are in the outdoor living design build world. We've been designers for many years and 20 plus years apiece here, owning our own businesses and in the design build sector and also in design manage. So, you know, our goal here, we started talking, you know, a couple of years ago, actually, and in even more intensely last few months to come together and bring uh, a lot of the things that we learned over the years, 20 some years here, a piece in this industry to to you guys out there in the, the public to say, you know what, some of you guys are struggling with the same things that we struggled with for years and we had to overcome them. And, you know, we feel like it's our, our privilege to be able to share with you a lot of these different strategies and thoughts and things that we came up with in order to solve big problems we had in our businesses so we can grow and grow and grow uh, and take, you know, small businesses and take them well over a million dollars in sales a year. And continue to grow, right? At a pace that's fun and exciting and still engaging. So we're really excited to bring this to you and be able to um, to share these things. And that's what this entire basis of this podcast is about, to be able to empower you guys. So, Dwayne, are you excited about this? I know I can see it on your face. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm pumped because it's like we finally get to tell the stories of the path that we've gone through. You know, like I get a lot of messages and stuff and and it's humbling but, I mean, a lot of these guys think that you're just born a good designer or I was born into this where everything is just looks like it's going well and, you know what I mean, there's no issues and stuff like that. Like, my first project that I did on my own, I was I ordered the wheelbarrow that showed up on the, the load, the brick paver load, was the first wheelbarrow that I ever owned. Like, I used to do this work physically by hand by myself. Like, it goes a long way from where I am now. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And that's that's why I think the universe connected us because we have similar stories in that way. I can remember our first first project was with a, a lady who hired us to, uh, we worked uh, for a little background. I, I grew up in a garden center and my mother and father started it when I was five. And when I turned about 16 or so, one of our customers came in the garden center and said, you know, I've seen you guys in here for years. I want to know if you'd be interested in coming down and doing some work down by the river. We lived down by uh, the Delaware River and uh, they had a flood a couple of years ago and there's a bunch of work to be done down at the, the beach area. So she hired us to come in and to clean up that area. And we had a an F 
250 gray Ford, I'll never forget, and one wheelbarrow. And we went down there, we had a chainsaw, and we cleaned up and did a bunch of work for her. And we couldn't believe it because it was my brother and I and my father. And we couldn't believe that you can go down and somebody would pay you like a couple hundred bucks to clean this stuff up. And we already had the truck and we already had the chainsaw. So we said, wait a minute here, we're on to something. And that was extremely basic, but it was the pickup truck, the the uh, wheelbarrow, and uh, just nothing more than sweat equity and push it off. And you ended up with, you know, a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks in a couple of days. And you're like, holy shit, like there's something here, man. Like this is yeah. this is something here. So that that's how I started over 25 years ago. And it's it's been a such an incredible blessing for this entire ride. Yeah, we're in an industry where you can start with a wheelbarrow and a pickup truck and become the greatest things in sliced bread in your area. I mean, if you do it right, like we really are in a one of those. We we're like it's like one of those American brands. Like you know, America is one of the greatest countries where you can be a taxi driver one day and a multimillionaire the next day. It's one of those countries that allow you to do that. And we are those basically those stories of that. I mean, it really started from my start was. I can't say the the neighborhood cutting grass because that really wasn't a business and taking out trash. But my father went out and bought some lawnmowers to keep us out of trouble because we grew up sort of, sort of on the edge of the hood and the hood. Like it wasn't the hood, but it was the hood. You know what I mean? Like if, if you want to kick it with Spicy G and shit, you know what I mean? You could go down the street and kick it with them. But if you didn't, you could stay on the old people's side and they were cool as hell. So it was it was a little off. So if we wanted to be hood, we could go down there and be hood. But I mean, my, my mom and dad, they just they were like, no. Oh, we cannot raise these boys in the hood. They cannot be hood. They're they're never gonna make it. They're not gonna have a chance if they go that route. So he bought some lawnmowers and he kept us working north. He didn't. He wouldn't let us go south because the south was the hood, bro. I mean, it was nothing but a block too. A block, block and a half. That was it. That was where all the dope was being sold. You know what I mean like I said, Spicy G. I remember him. He was a part of the. I think he was part of the Crips. I remember him getting chased by the. He was getting chased by the cops, and they couldn't find him. They found all the other crisps, but they couldn't find Spicy because he was hiding up in his um, <laughs> his attic. You know what I mean? Like that was, and he was our dog too. You know, like we grew up kicking it with Spicy, but um. It was just that life, and we started off cutting grass. We ended up picking up like some McDonald's contracts, some other thing, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And like we weren't even old enough to drive the trucks around, so he would hire his brother, which was our uncle, and they would drive us around, and we'd cut grass. They would just chit and chill, and sometimes they'd work with us, but most of the time they would just sit and chill and, and do their things, and we did our stuff, and then we just kept excelling. And then you get to this brick world and all this other stuff. So, I mean, I'll talk more about it because it'll take forever just to tell the story. But there's a lot to it. Absolutely, man. And, and the cool part is that I know a lot of people listening or probably have similar stories where most people don't go to school to become, you know, a hardscaper or landscaper. And, and some do, but a lot of times this uh, this entire uh, career starts out as a hobby or starts out as a way to make some extra money or or something like, hey, you know what, I'm actually, let me try this. And pretty soon you're pretty good at it. And then you're making money. And next thing you know, it's 20 years later. So it's the thing that we find in the industry and hell, it's the same for me was, you know, you get into this and then you got to figure it out, right? You've, you've have a few problems in the beginning, things start growing, you have different problems. And next thing you know, you grow again, or you fall back and then you have different problems and you, you know, so it's not that it's all problem based, but the reality is that each time you grow, you have to then solve new problems that doesn't, you know, growth doesn't equal less problems, just equals different problems. So the cool part about this podcast is that, you know, we're going to interview industry professionals from around the country and how they solve some of the problems as they grew and some, you know, I'm really hoping you guys can take a lot of golden nuggets from this podcast. Uh, 
podcasts and implement them into your business and uh, and to grow as well. And, you know, I also want to be, and I know Dwayne and I, this is near and dear to our heart because we're, you know, very mindset based. We want to help and, and make sure we can support and grow, you know, the guys that are just starting out too, the ones that are going from, say, lawn care into hardscaping or landscaping, like they want to make that transition I want to make sure that they have a resource that they can talk to because we both went through that. We both, you know, made a transition over and decided to really focus on the landscape design and the hardscape design and outdoor living and and ride this wave the last 20 some years. It's just grown and grown and grown for uh, the demand for our services, right? So I know when I first started, when I, uh, you know, started my first business with my family, it was called Timber Rock and we my father, my brother, and I, and we hired employees and did the, the typical design build route. And, uh, you know, we had, we were always blessed with a lot of work because we had a garden center. It was a nice feeder for the work. But, you know, after a while, I realized that I couldn't uh, really, I couldn't really design the, the types of projects that I wanted to. I, my background was in architecture. I went to school during the beginning of those days when I started that company. I went to school for architecture and got out and decided I didn't want to be drawing houses forever. And I wanted to integrate the two, everything I learned from the garden center and my love of landscaping. And that's where my start really kind of took fire, if you will, and took off. But after doing that roughly 15 years, we decided to, I decided to start another company where we could do more design manage. So no matter what crazy idea we could come up with, or I could come out of my head, I can find somebody who specializes in it and I don't have to worry about having the crews in-house. So that was really my the catalyst for me to switch over to do a, to a design manage model. But, you know, my design build was part of my, my a lot of my uh, career. Dwayne, how was, how was your transition? Dude, this whole, I, I don't know if we can cuss, but I'm going to say freaking instead of the other word. This whole <laughs> freaking life that I live is truly, I don't know, dude, like, I didn't set out to be an outdoor living designer when I was growing up. Like, I had no clue I was going to do this. Matter of fact, I wanted to be the farthest. It, it wasn't that I wanted to be the farthest from it. I just didn't even know this even existed. I wanted to be an airline pilot. You know, and so, like, that was my thing is my mom, my mom is Jamaican. And so we have a house in Jamaica. It's a family house that my mom and dad bought from my grandma. And so we travel back and forth, I mean, almost yearly. They went yearly and they took us like every other year because they didn't want to deal with us all the time. We were just, we were three brothers, so we were hell raisers. I mean, I can't imagine having three boys. I mean, they probably had to beat our asses every other day. Like, we were horrible. We <laughs> tore up everything. I mean, we probably broke the airplane on the way down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't really want to do this, like, outdoor living. But not that I didn't want to do it. I just didn't know about it. And I remember my father had the grass cutting business and it was growing. And as we were growing up... There was like these elective courses you could take, I mean, for college. They were like your last two years of high school, and they were like prerequisites or I forgot what, what it was called, but it was like a landscape course. But in my ninth and 10th grade year, I had started taking drafting engineering courses. So I remember there was like this rift there. And my like now that I'm older, I don't know if he was upset, but he wanted me to do the landscape thing because he wanted me to take it further. And I wanted to do the architectural engineering thing. So... I signed up for the architectural engineering thing to go there, and as I signed up the first day, I quit. I just quit because I was like, my dad's going to be pissed. You mean that I did the architectural engineering and not the landscaping, so I'm, I'm just not going to do none of it. So I left and didn't do any of it. I just stayed with the course in high school. Then I went out, and I, I wanted to be an airline pilot, so I looked at a place called Emory-Riddle, and it was like 30, 40 grand a year, and I thought my parents were rich, you know. We moved out of the hood, you know, so I thought we were rich. 
So I thought they were going to pay that for me to go to Embry Riddle. And they're like, we're not paying 30 grand a year. Like, are you crazy? And I didn't know anything about college or anything. So I took off, went to the Marine Corps. And then I took some architectural engineering courses in the Marine Corps, just kept it going. I'm like, okay, I like this. And I get home, the grass cutting business is still going. So I'm still cutting grass. And I meet this guy who lays brick pavers. And he's like, if you get me a client that will get a brick patio, I'll give you 200 bucks. And at the time, I did not know what a brick patio was. I'm like, a brick patio? So I just started asking clients, do you want a brick patio? you want a brick patio, a brick patio? Finally, one client says yes. He goes in there, he does $8,000 and in a week, and he gives me the $200. And I'm like, whoa, shit. Like, what did he do that he made $8,000? I charge this lady $800 a year, and she never pays her bill on time, but she paid him eight grand, and he now has $200 to give me? I'm like, show me what you're doing. So he shows me, and I work with him for about a year. And he was like, okay, we'll split the profits out of the middle. I'm starting my business brand new. We'll work together. Not really understanding business. I don't think he really understood business. But he had a wife, I mean, two kids. He didn't even live in the city. He had to drive an hour every day. So his expenses was just frying him. So he barely would pay me. He would pay me, but he barely wouldn't. And because I had my brothers cutting grass, I was okay. Like I wasn't going broke. It wasn't the best life, but I wasn't broke. And so that went from there. Then we started a company. My wife and I got into business. And and here's where I want to tell the story of, of how this whole thing even got here. There's two ways to ride a wheelie. One way is you get the front wheel up off the ground and you can balance it and you can go any speed you want. You can speed it up, slow it down. You can play with it. Or the other way is you get the front wheel off the ground and you go have to go as fast as you can to keep it off the ground until you run out of room and run out of space. Well, that's how our business ran. We were selling machines because from the beginning we were broke and we started off broke and we, we didn't stay broke, but boy, it took a lot to maintain. We were bleeding money in every different scenario, in every different direction. But we had the front wheel off the ground, and the whole goal was we had to sell, we had to do whatever to keep that wheel from touching the ground. And we did for a long time until one day I just got tired. Like, I don't want to do this construction anymore. And then that's how I switched to this whole full design. I thought it was going to be easier life. You know what I mean? Let's do just some design work and chill. And then that's how I got to this point. So, I mean, I'll tell more stories as we go. But that, that story looked like, sound like it took too long. Not at all, not at all. I enjoyed every minute of it. It's definitely interesting how we have similar paths that way. And, uh, you know, it's, I think we both were led in that direction of design and being more the, the visionary and the, the creative side of the project. It's just what, you know, felt better for us, but it's not everybody's thing. But the one thing that uh, we both didn't have and what's uh, most in our industry don't have as well is, you know, we didn't graduate from a you know, Ivy League school with a business degree, right? And say, okay, now I'm going to go into the landscape or the outdoor living world, the hardscape world or whatever, right? So we do what we love to do and then we have to create a business around it. And that's often why so many in our in our industry struggle so much because they don't understand the business side. They have the passion. They have the drive. I mean, I see these men and women busting their ass, doing amazing work, trying their hardest, trying new things constantly. But at the end of the day, there's nothing left in the bank, right? There's either things are missed on the design side of things or... Um, you know, their their pricing isn't right, or they're not fast enough with efficiencies in their crews, or they flat out don't know how to design outdoor living spaces. And I'm not making fun of it. I'm simply saying that, you know, they don't have the tools that are necessary to be able to deliver those types of spaces for people and to really understand what a client wants and how to take them through a proper sales process to, to, to not sell them anything. The, the goal is never to sell anybody anything. We want to help them buy. We want to help them buy what they're going to buy anyway, because outdoor living is not a necessity. 
Outdoor living is not something that you have to have to survive, right? It's not air, it's not water, it's not food. People buy outdoor living for very much an emotional, to fill an emotional hole in their lives, right? They want to have a space that they can go out and and hang out with their families and they can create those special memories and blow out birthday candles for their daughter's second birthday. And, you know, they want to have a space where everybody comes to their house in the summertime or, or on the other side of that where the kids are out of the house now and the grandkids are coming along and they want to have a place that is the magnetic space that everybody comes back to. So the family comes back and they can remember all those times when they were younger. So that's really the driving force behind why people are buying these spaces, you know, and most of the the people I speak to in industry, they just think that they're, you know, slinging pavers and creating space for people to go out and to sit around on and just so it's, you know, less grass to mow or whatever it might be. But if you're going at it from that angle, you're missing a huge, huge opportunity when it comes to upselling, when it comes to really understanding your ideal client, what their needs are, what they absolutely must have to make themselves comfortable in the backyard. So let's face it, Dwayne, you know this as well as I do. If your client is not comfortable after you finished your project, they're not going to use it. And what I mean by comfort is either the furniture is not comfortable or the space isn't conducive to use or to conversation or in some way that there's too much sun or they're, they're exposed to rain or wind or whatever. If they're not comfortable in that space, it is a complete freaking waste. So why spend a dollar? I tell my clients flat out, if you aren't comfortable out there, save the money, don't pay me, go to Ikea and buy a $200 set, put it in the backyard and mow around it, or take all this money and go buy a beach house because you're gonna be more comfortable there. And you know what? That kind of direct, candid conversations with clients that you're not trying to sell them anything, you're trying to help them buy the dream, it is a game changer. Trust is built instantly. So that's really the the direction that we want to take this podcast in a way that we want to talk direct. We want to talk explicitly in a way that you'll understand how to do this in order to make sure you can really, really take your business to the next level and be able to serve at the highest level as well. You are so correct, man. I just told a lady just the other day to sell her house, you know, like we caught up and we went through like our interview process and, and she had no ideas or really no clue of really what she wanted. And to me, that's a clear sign of you're never going to go outside. And yeah, I can get a check to design it and I can make some money on installing it, but you'll never understand any pricing or anything if if it's not a space that you really enjoy and love. So, and she was telling me how she acquired the house and she was showing me photos of how she remodeled it, which is amazing. I'm like, this should be a business of yours is taking these houses and flipping them and just sell this one. Don't get emotionally tied and sell it and just do it again. I mean, because an outdoor living space on the level that we design, if you're not really going to use the space, I would just suggest you not even do business with us or I don't want to do business with you because we're really putting that level in there. And there's something else that you said, and not for the sake of argument, but just for the sake of conversation, I do feel, and you even sort of oxymoroned it, I do feel these spaces are important and they're a must. I, I do feel they're a necessity or a need. I'm starting to get that outdoor living spaces are just as important as a bedroom or a living room, dining room, and kitchen because it is that space for entertainment, but it also is that space just to sort of let loose. Like, you know, you and I were talking about this past week, for some reason, it's just been exhausting for both of us, you know, and just having that space. And I think that's what's going on. The weather's breaking. It's a little chilly one minute. It's not. And we don't have that ability to go sit out on that patio and just like maybe just stare at the stars or something. And it's it's tiring us out. So I'm starting to I'm starting to think that it's it's a necessity. Yeah. 
in order to recharge your soul for sure. But oftentimes when it's looked at as a buying decision, that's really where, you know, they look at it and say, okay, well, it's a nice to have, let's face it. You know what I mean? Trust me, I love outdoor living. I think it is the best thing that there ever could be. Uh, I think it's the space you can be so creative and so different and you have the weather to contend with, which adds a whole nother level of complexity to the experience, you know, but, you know, years ago when it came to outdoor living, there really was pretty basic stuff, right? A concrete patio, maybe some bushes around it and you had a grill on it and maybe one of your little dining sets and maybe a little swing or something like that on the side. And that was it, right? Real basic. But Nowadays, you know, Dwayne and I, we really enjoy the fact that people are up in the ante and they really want to extend their living space. This isn't just about having a patio in the backyard. This is about taking the footprint of the house, the floor plan, and extending it outside so that that room, the outdoor living space, becomes another experience within your home. Now, years ago, outdoor living used to be focused on the concept of we want a space outside that we can entertain, right? An overflow area where you can entertain. So on those warm days or you know, throughout the year, you can go out there and entertain, get your friends over, they can play by the pool, cook some stuff on the grill, whatever it might be. But that was the thought for many years that it's an overflow. But what we've noticed now in the last, at least last 12 months now, since the, you know, this whole COVID thing became part of our conversation, is that people aren't seeing it as just a space for overflow. They're seeing it as a space they're going to use every day. So to your point, Dwayne, you know, it's becoming more of a need because and more of a necessity because of the fact that people are home now and they want a bigger footprint to be able to enjoy their friends and family and all that and doing it in a more private setting in their own home. So, you know, we're seeing a transition from it being an entertaining space for overflow to being a core functioning part of their home where we're extending it out and getting four season outdoor living in Pennsylvania. We're doing everything we can to make sure we can bring that to life for our clients because that's truly what they're seeking. They're not seeking a patio they can sit on six times a year and bitch about how much they spent on it. They're looking for an extension of their home via some type of an elevated surface like a deck or step down to a patio. But having the comforts in there, the heaters, the, the roof system, the fire features, the, all the fun stuff that they can have like their own little getaway uh, something so unique to them uh, in their backyard. Are you finding out to be the same, Dwayne? Yes, yeah. Just a nice getaway. Sometimes when we finish these designs, I'm in the background like, holy shit, like I can imagine how this party's going to be. Like I just want to sneak up on their party just to see the faces <laughs> when they walk around a corner like, man, this is your backyard? Like, whoa. You know, like there's a yep. lot of jobs we walk away from, and I'm like, wow, we did that? And so, yeah, that's sort of what I'm talking about. Those spaces are... They're being used a lot more. They're being talked about a lot more. The styles are becoming very important. I mean, where everything is positioning has become very important. They're just a coordination of indoor-outdoor, and especially when it has a lot to do with material and stuff like that. I really pay attention to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we couldn't be alive at a better time where so many industries are trying to come up with new materials that are less maintenance, that are more you know, long-term, great uh, set-in-place type uh, solutions for the backyard. 20 years ago, half this stuff didn't even exist. Or it's so expensive, nobody could afford it. But now it's been, you know, it's brought down in cost and become very easy to get. You know, a simple example would be comfortable outdoor furniture that doesn't, you know, cost you $20,000 a chair that you can leave out in the rain, right? Or even heaters where we do, you know, like bromic uh, directional infrared heating for roof systems and things like that in order to give you that uh, that longer extended season. These things were, they were 
technologies that were there, but they weren't accessible for everyone to get to. Uh, and it, a lot of people couldn't afford them. So nowadays, with it being much more accessible and affordable, we're seeing that going into a lot of projects in order to make sure that they're getting the maximum use and comfort out of that space. But again, it's that's all technologically driven. You know, as tech is changing, we're getting more integration with smartphone, all that, because people want to be able to control these environments as well. So it's really a matter of constantly evolving with the technology. And thank goodness that we're designers in this time in history where we could have so many choices, so many different paver choices, so many different uh, decking choices, and all these different technologies that we can all just put right at the end of our fingertips and get them. So it's the cool part about being alive now. You know, that's a perfect pivot because a lot of the contractors that I'm seeing, especially, you know, like when I look on some of these social media pages, they're still, they're doing a great job now I'm starting to see it. Like they're really doing a great job of starting to pay attention to space, changing things up, but they're still stuck on one material. You know what I mean? And and so that was a great segue into this um, section of different materials, different styles. I still see them. They'll use the same paver throughout the whole patio. They'll use the same wall throughout everything. It's still the same thing, and they're not breaking it up. And they're not paying attention to these spaces being rooms. Now, maybe, maybe they're not wrong, okay? Maybe it's just because I'm a designer, and I have certain snobbish ways of being a designer that I see things that there's in life there's really no right or wrong. I mean, if nobody's getting hurt, it's not right or wrong. But um, I think that there's a lot more style and there's a lot more positioning that can be done on these outdoor spaces that are just your basic old, you mean one color deck or one color paver. And it's the same thing throughout the whole project. No, I absolutely agree. And even mixing up materials, I know you do that a lot in your designs as do we, and, you know, trying to make it more dynamic and more interesting. And what, uh, what we're, you know, the whole goal here with having a conversation with the industry is, is about challenging others that are listening that always do that same paver patio with the seating wall and the fire pit um, to, to challenge them to say, you know what, maybe we're going to mix it up. Maybe instead of doing, you know, the same border around the same patio, we just give it a curve or a square corner or something like that and mix it up because all we want to do is just pound patios out constantly. Maybe we stop and start thinking about how that client's going to lay furniture out there, how we can maximize every single square foot of that patio or deck so that we're not stuck with a space that looks like the last 12 you just did, right? And maybe just a slight nuance, or maybe you added three more border uh, lines around the outside because that's, you know, the last guy you saw had two, you're going to go to three, these kinds of things. So really understand why these things are important in an outdoor living space and not just do it because that's what you saw on Instagram or that's what you saw on someone's website, or you're trying to one up the next guy. So you do slightly more than that one, right? So it's a matter of understanding why, and that's why, you know, Dwayne and I have partnered on teaching an industry also how to design through our program to, you know, to, to be able to step-by-step step understand what it really takes to, de to design and develop an incredible outdoor living space for your clients, right? To be able to do that step-by-step. And again, that's our passion is in service. It's in service to to humanity. It's it's in service to this uh, industry. You know, we love this industry. It's been part of most most of my life. And you know, I've met some of the most amazing people that I you know have conversations with every day in this industry. And I really love to see it grow and professionalize in a way where you know people won't be questioning prices anymore. They'll be like, you know, let's just put it this way, Dwayne. When's the last time you went to your doctor and, and questioned his prices? When's the last time you went to your lawyer and said, nope, sorry, I'm not going to pay you that much. You're not worth it. That's, yeah. that's bullshit, right? And yeah. is, we should be treated no different in this industry. We should be able to ask what we're worth in our pricing and get paid a premium for what we're doing because this is our time. This is our time yeah. that we're alive, that we're giving our most precious asset to these clients, our time. 
And we should be rewarded for that. And not ridiculous, not taking advantage of people. I'm talking about getting paid what you're worth. And but we're only treated people, according to our perceived value. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stop you. No, no, it's exactly it. And it, it, it pisses me off because for years I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy that I was just happy somebody would call me and I'd go out and do work for them. And if they bitched about price, I would adjust it, whatever. And I was like, you know what? After years of doing that, I said, enough's enough. You know, my family has to eat too. My trucks have to be paid for. My uh, overhead's got to be paid for. All of those things have to be done. And at the end of the, the year, after working my ass off 80 to 100 hours a week, barely seeing my family, all for what? What did you end up with at the end? You had a bunch of smiling clients and I had nothing in the bank account. That pisses me off. And I'm like, you know what? It's great to serve, but you have to, you know, there's a reason why when you're on an airplane and they're doing that little walkthrough that they do every time before you take off and they, t they show you to, when the uh, oxygen mask drops down that you're supposed to put on yourself first. Because if you're not alive, you can't support the ones around you. It's that simple, right? You can't help other people if you're not healthy. So it's the same thing with our businesses. If our businesses aren't healthy because we're so worried about taking care of everybody else, then we eventually, our businesses struggle or die. And when they do, we can't help anybody at all. So it's not a selfish thing. It's, it's really focusing on making sure that you are being taken care of, you're doing the self-care and that you're doing all the good stuff you should be doing and running a good, strong business so that you don't have to worry about those things happening. And you can focus more on serving people as opposed to you know, being run over by people who don't value your, uh, your abilities or willing to pay you what you're worth. So, yeah. I think the real talk in this, and it's one thing that we talked about this podcast is we were going to be, you mean, heart, gut-riching, you mean, straight on, you know what I mean, like authentic. And I think a lot of people who are in this industry, I, I don't think they're really in it to have the best paper patio or, or take care of the best. I think they saw it's an easy way of making money. You know what I mean? Let, let's be honest. I, I think there's a lot of guys who looked in there and they saw their friend Johnny doing like, damn, Johnny's successful. And Johnny, if Johnny's successful, man, I know I can do it. So they go get a truck and and it's easy. Like there's really no laws you got to pass. There's no rules you got to follow. I mean, you can go get a truck, get a wheelbarrow and you can just pass out a flyer back in the day and you get a job and you get a patio job. And and it starts growing on you. But I think what happens is you still have that mindset of scarcity and you're, you're just chasing that almighty dollar. Like anytime you're lowering prices and things like that, you're just trying to get the job because you think that you're looking at your bank account and you're, they're like, I got to get this job. I remember you know, a few years back when I was in this thing, it, it was like an unfair advantage. I would go to a client's house and I needed to get the job because rent was on my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I, if I didn't get that job, rent wasn't going to get paid that day. So there were times when I got the job and there were times that I got and, and I couldn't even call my wife, you know what I mean, on the way home. Like I wouldn't even call her up because she's waiting to get the job, to get the job because we can pay some bills or we can go get some food. And I just felt like it was an unfair advantage. Like, shit, you know what I mean? Like I'm up against that much pressure every single time. And a lot of that was because it was out of scarcity. I wasn't charging enough money. I wasn't taking the right job. So these are things that you're doing to yourselves. And it's not really the industry doing it to you. That's why I, I didn't mean to stop you earlier, but it's your value is your perceived value. Like, what do you perceive yourself to be valuable as? I, I watch guys on, I mean, I, social media is the place to watch them, but I watch them. I, I stare and look at the guys, and you got the guy with the same problem. You got the guy with the broken down truck and a broken down trailer and a broken down equipment. And he, man, this world and this business, and this just keeps broken down. But that's what he keeps accepting. Like, he keeps buying raggedy ass tools or raggedy ass equipment, and he's charging low prices. And these type of guys, if you say something to them, they'll argue with you. 
So it's a really a mindset on really where these type of people be. I think there's a point where you got to wake up and you got to say, is this what I'm meant to do or this is what I want to do or this is what I'm going to do just to make a couple extra dollars? And you got to move on. You either got to get out of this industry and find something else. I think you really got to dig down and find who you are and what your why is it. Like our businesses really didn't hit hard until we start digging into our why and the exact reason why we're doing it. And then that's when like the floodgates open up. It was like the stars of gods or the Navarones came down and like, oh, you know what I mean? Like it was like this shit came down upon us and it was like the world opened up like, whoa. And it was that moment is when I like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to stand for. I'm not going to do any of this cheap stuff. I'm only going to do this. And if a client doesn't want what I want, I'm going to look him right in the eye and say no and walk away. I mean, when you do that is I'm telling you is when your business and everything just total explosion. And then you hear a guy saying, you can do that, like as if lucky you can do that, as if as if everything is was going well when I made a decision. Well, here's a note. It wasn't going well when I made a decision. I just made that decision that this is the way it's going to be. And what happened was things started going well. So it wasn't after things went well. I started saying, no, I'm not going to do business. It, it was it's a certain mindset. No, you're absolutely right, Dwayne, and, and you nailed it by, you know, bringing up the concept of mindset, and that's something that connects us as well. You know, for years, we both struggled in, in this industry, and until we started switching our mindsets and started saying, you know what, I'm realizing that when I go after those crappy clients that don't want to pay, or they're late paying, or they you know, always trying to drive the cost down, that, uh, you know, I get more of them. What does it seem that way that once you start having those clients, there's like a whole thread of them, right? So if we start realizing that we get what we tolerate in life, in business as well, and we start tolerating shit, you're going to get more shit. And if you start saying, look, I'm not going to tolerate it no more. I'm not going to tolerate people knocking my numbers down. My price is my price. That's what it's going to be. I know that it's a fair value for what I'm bringing. I'm worth that much or more. Then you start driving that, you know, nail into the wood or that put line in the sand. You're gonna start. You're gonna start seeing those clients being like, "All right, cool, let's do it." Pretty soon, you're like, "Wow, I couldn't do that before, and now I can." This is this is insane. All of a sudden, you start to see it work, and it start, your confidence starts to build. And you're like, "Wait a minute, here, if I can do that, what else could I do?" And you start growing on that, and it grows little by little, like a snowfall, where it's inch after inch, it keeps falling and it keeps growing. And pretty soon you have a you know two foot of snow on the ground, but it doesn't happen in a second. You know you've got to build on that, and you've got to be focused on what you're willing to tolerate in life. And if it's very little, you know of, of negativity, then all of a sudden your world becomes very positive. And if you want to live in the squalor and you want to live in the negativity and the negative mindset, because guys, at the end of the day. Business is no more. Your business, your struggles, your successes are no more than a reflection of the inner game. What's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. Business is a direct reflection of that. Clean up your mind, clean up your heart, get that back where it should be. Get on a path where you're excited and grateful every single day to get up and be able to serve and be able to love and to be able to get out there and really make a difference in the world. And everything changes. That's when your business changes. People can go to courses and classes. They can go to seek mentors and coaches and all that kind of stuff to fix their business. But until they fix them personally, I don't give a shit how much money you spend. If you think it's out there is the problem then you are the problem. Because if you don't realize it's in your heart and in your mind, that's the, that, that is your obstacle. And until you're willing to face that, face it straight on and look it square in the eyes and kill it, that fear, everything that's holding you back, you're going to be stuck there forever. So it's the hard work that needs to be done first. And then you can see the fruits of that labor 
through your business growing and all of those things happening, but you must do the inner work first. And that's scary. I get how scary that is. But I tell you, man, once you do it and you accept that, that you're the only obstacle in your way, everything changes. This is the biggest, one of the greatest subjects in business that is always thrown like in the back of the line or it's always spoken upon. Like, I mean, it's like sometimes people speak it like in seminars and things like that. But this is the business class. Okay. Like, you know, if you want to go to business school and business college and you want to learn more about college, like, you mean, whatever, how many minutes we're into the podcast, this is the time when you turn that shit up and stick your ear to the grind because this is where it is. It's a mental game. It's 80% of everything you do in life is a mental game. And I don't know why it takes us to 35 and 40 years to learn it. We're all working hard, working 24 hours a day, but it's a mental game. Until you can clean up that caca, like that's what we learned. We, I took this course called Landmark Forum, and they call it like the crazy thoughts in your brain. We called it caca. Until you clean that caca in your brain, you're always going to have these crazy struggles. Like, you mean, Joshua, I don't think I've had a bad day in over two years. I've had some exhausted days. I've had some, you mean, stressful moments, but I haven't had a bad day in a little bit over two years and since I changed my mindset. And so when I talk to somebody who has a bad day, my automatic response is I, I first want to scream bullshit you mean, because you just had a bad moment and you're carrying it into a bad day or I want to get away from them. And then, and you can see why their whole world is chaos. And then I notice too, and and I, man, this is hard to say, but I do notice people who want to stay in this bad state. So the business is having issues, they're having financial issues, they're having issues with their wife. And you say, hey man, let me give you some good words of advice. Think better, think, they're looking at you like, go to hell, I got to fix this. And I'm like, seriously, like really change your mindset. Like everything you're going through that was bad today in the past week, it can all stop right now, this very second, because if you're safe and nothing's happening to you and you're having a bullet flying at your head. Matter of fact, you can even have a bullet flying at your head right now, but if it didn't hit you, you're still safe. You mean, if the bullet hit you, then we got some issues and you probably got to be rushed to the hospital. But you mean, if it didn't hit you, you're safe. And so this very second, you're in good shape and that's how you got to live. Like, this is okay. And for some reason, I just don't know why this is not spoken upon in every business course, in every class, because until you're free to think and until you understand that today is a beautiful day and a great day, you're always going to struggle. Like, I mean, like, I don't I don't get why it's, this this subject is is like this special taboo thing that you can't ever talk about. Like, this is the reason why we're called outer space. This is the reason why the podcast is created. Yeah, we'll show guys how to how to sell jobs, make money, how to do things. But really, if you're listening to this podcast and to us, I want to show you guys how to get out of your effing head and start opening up and clear your mind space and free yourself and then start enjoying life to the greatest capacity. Matter of fact, if we never talk about any outdoor living space and this podcast goes on, I want to hear about your skateboarding. I want to hear about you flying an airplane. I want to hear about you going scuba diving. I want to hear you about taking a trip. I was just interview. I just did a, a course last week and it was really on mental stability of a business. Maybe because of the post that I do, uh, a guy called me up and says, hey, you know, Dwayne, can you teach this class on, on, um, the mental game. I was like, yeah, I'm game. So I was sort of scared. I didn't write anything down. I was like, let me just play it by hip and figure out which direction it's going to go. And I remember just sort of just talking and, and, you know, giving my information about what was going on. But one thing that got me the most about it was when he introduced me, he introduced me as what I did, like my work. He's an outdoor living designer, blah, 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 blah. And for the first time in my life, I was like, damn, like, 
that's not who I am. Like, I, I am an outdoor living designer. I'm cool with that. But why didn't you tell me that I'm an airplane pilot? You know what I mean? That I fly planes. Why didn't you say that, you mean, I'm a husband with three kids and you mean, and, and I like to travel and I like to do that. Like, everybody knows I design shit. It's on everything. It's on, and you Google my name, you're going to see designer and CNN and all kind of shit. You're going to see that. But I want to be known for who I am, not just what I do, you know? And that was sort of the difference. And that's sort of where I want, I see this whole podcast and where it's going. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, so many people want to be kind of put in a box to, to feel like they fit with others. Like I'm a hardscaper, I'm a landscaper, I'm an outdoor living designer, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, whatever. Like they want to be part of the club. But are we really what we do, truly? Because the way I see it, Dwayne, and I didn't realize this until I was about 35 years old. So, but a business should be a vehicle in order to get you the lifestyle that you want. It's a vehicle. It's not who you are, right? Because in life, we get to assign meaning to everything. Our minds try to do it automatically. And that's why so many people are so fucked up in the head when it comes to, you know, how they feel about themselves and, and everything has been done to them instead of for them and all this kind of stuff. But you know, when they start realizing that every single thing, every single day, you have the opportunity to assign a meaning to. So if you have a really tough client and they're really busting your balls throughout the day and, and it's going on for weeks or whatever, you have a choice in whether you're going to blame them or you're going to see them trying to teach you something. And if you blame them, then you're losing all control because then they have control over your day, which isn't true, but that's the story you've told yourself. If you say, no, that client is really tough. They just have their own set of you know rules for life, but they're in my path today to teach me something. And when you assign that meaning to it, they become an asset, not a pain in the ass, right? So yes, they're not fun to work with, but think about it from that way. You get to assign meaning to everything. Is life happening to you or is life happening for you? That's the meaning you get to assign. And you get the opportunity every single second of every single day to do that. Now, you must witness yourself doing this. And most don't know how to do that or don't want to think further than that. But when they start witnessing this happening to themselves, they're like, all right, well, I start feeling this like, mm, like I, don't, I don't like this. This is like a negative thought or a negative uh, experience right now. If you stop and say, well, wait, what's the positive side of this thing? Let's figure out what it's happening. Why is it happening? And next thing you know, you would reassign a meaning to it and it becomes a positive thing possibly. Or maybe it's just flat out shitty and you don't do it twice, right? But the reality is you have the opportunity every day to assign meaning to things, but you have to be conscious of that. Because if not, your mind is on autopilot and it will find the negative because it's always trying to keep you safe and trying to keep you out of the way of any kind of harm. So as soon as you start witnessing your mind doing this and you sit back and you're like, wait a minute here. So... Maybe this, this job coming in that sounds a little too good to be true. Maybe it is, or maybe it's not. Let's look through this. Let's see if there's an opportunity here. What kind of story have I told myself? Am I really worth six-figure projects? Or am I always stuck with the $5,000 paver patios because that's all I'm worth? Because that's a story I keep telling myself. I'm an imposter if I tell somebody I'm a designer because, oh God, what if, what if somebody realized I didn't go to school for design? Or what if I try to charge somebody for a design and they realize that I don't have a, a fancy degree or a piece of paper on my wall that says I'm a designer? Fuck all that. What's inside of you? What do you feel is you? What kind of value can you bring to the world, right? When you can align that confidence and that focus with your profession, you're unstoppable because that's the vehicle in which you use to get the true version of you out, right? So you can use outdoor living as the example. It really does not matter what business you're in, but it's an opportunity that you can serve at a higher level. 
when you can serve your clients and all that instead of just a couple of family members or something as, as a kind of a side deal. So you get to do it on a more massive scale, but always remember that your mind's trying to play with you and always trying to play these games, but you get to assign the meaning to everything, everything that happens. And that's the cool part about it. But uh, and always remember that the business is designed to be a vehicle. You know, it's, it's designed to be something you're not, the, the idea, you didn't go out to start your, your business no matter how you started, you didn't go out to do that so that you could own your job, right? And for years, I own my job. We Most of us do when we first start. You own your job. So you're your, you're your own worst boss, right? So you, you own your job. You show up every day. It becomes a grind and no one's really excited about it. And eventually you burn out and you're done and you go get another job and have a boss that you really don't like, right? But if you realize that there is a way to set up your business where the business itself becomes the reason why you get up and go every morning because you have the opportunity to serve. And if you start working on your business instead of in your business as an employee, it becomes an awesome experience. You really get to do the parts that you were destined and put on this planet to do each and every day. And you don't have to worry about the uh, doing the parts. You know, as you grow, you can always start handing the pieces off that you aren't good at. Yeah, I wouldn't be an eighth of where we are now without all the help of an incredible team. And each one of those team members does what they love to do every day so that I can do what I love to do every single day. That's really the cool part about this. You get to choose what that means. It's such a powerful lesson that took me way too long to learn, over 20 years to learn that. And now that I know that, there's no stopping because it doesn't need to. You keep empowering people to do their best work. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. So guys, thanks for tuning in today here for episode one of the Outer Spaces podcast. We're going to be bringing you a ton more cool stuff coming up. We've got some great interviews uh, scheduled, and we also have some extremely actionable and powerful content coming to be able to help you take your business to the next level and to be able to really implement things right away. So it's not something you have to go and you know listen for five years to be able to figure out. These are going to be very actionable, functional things that we've learned throughout the 20 plus years, each of us in this industry, that you're going to be able to put on the ground and go. Also, if you're interested, we do have a sales mastery course for outdoor living design build professionals. You know, whether you're a hardscaper or landscaper or going from lawn care into the outdoor living arena, we can help you get there a hell of a lot faster and compress decades into days. So you don't have to wait 20 some years like we had to to figure out these systems and strategies. We have them all pre-boxed, ready to go, easy to go for you. And you can implement them into your business. So we have a sales mastery and also a design mastery side where we teach you how to design outdoor living spaces so that you can really, uh, you know, design incredible spaces, plus be able to communicate better with your clients so that you can bring them highest level of value and also, you know, show them what's possible out there, right? So they often will ask for a bunch of features, but you don't always have to just show them that. You can show them what they want, and then you can also show them what's possible. So it's really a fun process that we'll take you through. So Dwayne, any last words for today? No, no, it was a great, uh, if this was number one, I really enjoyed it myself. I can't wait to hear it. And I can't wait to hear what other people get from it. And oh yeah, if anybody has any topics or ideas, just send us messages. We'll like to, we want to be really authentic on this whole thing and not just have generic topics. I mean, I really want to dig into the gut and soul and I want your feelings of what you feel, what you're dealing with every day. I mean, if something that you know drove you insane or had you in tears or something like that, I want to hear some of these things so we can really get the gut feeling of what we're dealing with on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis in this business so we can really open up and hit what outer space is really about. Awesome. Absolutely. 